Hello and welcome to Acro Tales, a podcast that explores the fascinating world of acromegaly. Acromegaly is a rare condition caused by a benign tumour in the pituitary gland, causing an excessive release of growth hormones. My name's Dan Jeffries, and I was diagnosed with acromegaly in 2007. And in each episode of Acro Tales, I'll be talking to fellow acromegalics from around the world about their journey with this unique condition. It's episode 13, and I am really pleased to welcome Spencer from Shropshire in the UK. Spencer is 50 and was diagnosed with acromegaly in 2014. Spencer, welcome to Acro Tales. Um, thank you very much, Dan. Now, we know each other from uh, previous acromegaly meetups and also the UK, the UK acromegaly uh, Facebook group. So I'm really, really pleased to have you on here and to have you share your story. So perhaps you could start by just telling us how you how you were diagnosed, what were the signs, and how did you eventually lead to a sort of an actual diagnosis? Um, yeah, uh, I suppose around about October 2013, I started having trouble with breathing. <clears throat> um, I went to the hospital in November 2013, and I was diagnosed with heart failure. And wow. it was it was spotted um, basically because the because the heart grew, um, but I didn't know at the time. Right. And um, I was I was roughly diagnosed um, by a consultant that was walking past me while I was in a waiting room. No. Um, yeah, yeah. He he asked me um, first of all. He asked me if my features had changed. Um, you don't really know that. Um, he also asked me, um, if my hands had grown, um, I, I explained that I'm from Shropshire. We have big hands in Shropshire. <laughs> um, and then as he was walking away, I told him that my feet had grown, um, about four sizes in a space of six years. And that's when, that's the first time I heard the word acromegaly. So did he literally do like do a stop and then a sort of, an about turn and came and talked yeah, to you or did he it was literally like a double check um a wow. double glance he was eating a sandwich <laughs> uh, just walking past he had nothing to do with me whatsoever i don't know who the man was um wow. i'm assuming he was a consultant um i i haven't seen him since um, I'm, I'm, I'm amazing that he didn't follow that up amazing that he uh, really he he sort of passed that information to you and then sort of went on his way <laughs> he he also he i mean obviously he, he um he passed the information on to an endo, um, okay. to an endocrinologist, because that's how things started moving. Wow! So you, so you were you were obviously diagnosed with uh, was it breathing difficulties? You said because your heart had enlarged, which is a complication of the acromegaly organs enlarging. And so, how did that then? Obviously, your, an endocrinologist got in touch with you, did they, and said, "Right, we need to do some tests or do an MRI scan." What was the next steps? Uh, the next steps were, I think it was the glucose tolerant test. Okay. Yeah. Um, and the, um, and there was an MRI. I can't remember which one came first. Um, but I can remember it was, it was like when well, you, I was actually diagnosed with about five different things in the same, in wow. the same go, uh, diabetes, you know, a lot of the, a lot, a lot of the things that come along with acromegaly, including the heart failure. And how was that? I mean, uh, as news to digest, was it? Uh, by the time a relief, he got to shock, 
Yeah, by the time we got to diabetes, I wasn't really listening anymore. I was kind of, I was kind of, in fact, I forgot that I'd been diagnosed with diabetes until it started coming through with, um, with, with post. Right. Wow, Spence, that's really quite a, quite a sort of slap in the face of things. And, and I guess, had you been feeling rough? I mean, yes, your hands had changed, your feet had changed. Had you had any of the other signs like the, uh, impairment to vision or headaches? a lot, a lot of the things I just, I just, I just associated with. I'm getting older. Um, yeah. I'd had, I'd had surgery on my knees as a twenty year old, and and they started hurting again. Um, and I had some back problems, but apart from that, it, I didn't really notice anything. Oh, we used to, when my feet were growing, I always used to think it. I, I always used, I always used to think there was something wrong with my shoes rather than my feet. Right um that's how things were noticed you don't ever think well i'm i'm in my 30s or my 40s and my feet are growing that's perfectly natural it must be my the shoes are getting tighter yeah yeah no we made jokes about it and and again i I mean the the sweating um i i missed quite a lot of warning signs i can remember going to see a friend in hull and i hadn't seen her for about 15 years and first thing she said when she answered the door was you didn't go. You didn't grow older the way I expected you to. Wow! And you know that that was that was one of the one of the things one of the triggers that should have sparked really. Yeah, but you you can't associate that with having a brain tumor. No, it's just not possible. I mean, I remember people used to say to me that I, old school friends didn't recognize me, or they'd walk past me in the street, and they're like, "Oh my god, you look so different." Uh, yeah. So you you, don't, you never put two and two together, do you? No, no, great. I mean, well, it became um, it became a an in house joke. The size of my feet at work, <laughs> right? Um, and um, and I, I I can remember I also used to get called sausage fingers. It wasn't. Yes, it, sounds, it sounds like bullying, but it was all joking. <laughs> I used to play um, I used to play drums, and it got to a point where I couldn't play drums anymore. Right. So um, it really did impact on your life. Then it was, you know, it was it was maybe small things, but they all kind of culminate, don't they, into into not the kind of life that you want to lead, especially if it stops you being creative. Yeah, yeah. Same. Um, same was with football. I'd, I'd noticed there was a difference with my um, coordination. Right. Uh, I know that you get worse as you get older at football, anyway. But um, it was it was almost like I couldn't time the bounce of a ball or or something like that. Yeah, no, it's frustrating. I used to play snooker, and I used to get very sweaty hands, uh, and and I couldn't control the cue properly. Do you know um, what I used? I put. I still do it now, but more out of habit is I put. Um, if I play pool, um, where where your your finger and your thumb meet, um, I always used to have to put chalk on right. on there, so the cue would slide down. You know where you take your shot at pool. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I used to have to chalk that bit. Okay. Otherwise, so, the, yeah. Otherwise, the the cue would just stick to my hand. Yeah, it's all these weird little things, and then when you look back, it's you know it all makes sense. Mm. So obviously, you were you know you're in the system. You uh, underwent your MRIs and your and your tests, um, and so you were diagnosed in in 2014. How long was it until you were in for surgery? I assume you went in for surgery. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I was I was diagnosed June 2014. I was due surgery in december 2014 but it was cancelled right Um, and i must admit the worst time 
would have been before would have been from the cancellation to the actual surgery because I was ready. I was in the bed. I'd got my green my green yeah. stockings on. They cancelled it in on the day. They cancelled it. Yeah. Oh shit. Yeah, I was I was I was gowned up. <laughs> right. Yeah. Okay. And so, how long was it from that moment until your actual surgery? Twentieth uh, of March, two thousand and fifteen. So weeks was it? Sorry, a uh, uh, couple of months, uh, three months. Yes, it's not fair, is it? Unfortunately, but um, I guess that's 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 the NHS for you. If these things happen now and again, and I guess it's normally. Did they say why was it? Because there was an emergency case, or um, I think originally it was because there was a road accident, and yeah. um, and they took the took the surgery time. So you know, okay. I'm happy to miss for that. Well, that's it, isn't it? And then you you kind of realise, you know, you could be in so much more of a worse situation. And if yeah. you can wait three months, you know your life's not in the balance, you know, you're not undergoing, you know, hugely life-changing, you know, life and death surgery is what I'm getting at, I suppose. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. I mean, if, you, if, you're down, uh, if you're down the order a little bit, then, you know, that, that, no, that's the way it is. And so you get there, you're on the day of surgery. Did they tell you how big your tumour was? That was what I meant to ask you. Uh, yeah, but it was the size of a golf ball. Wow. So that's definitely a macro adenoma then. Yeah, yeah. What's that in inches? Did they... I don't uh, know. I, I, just, a couple of inches, two and a half. Two inches, yeah. two and a half inches, something like that. Okay, that's pretty yeah. big. Did they tell you that before the surgery? Uh, yes, they, uh, it was the result of the MRI scan. Okay. And were you nervous about the surgery itself? Did you absolutely had terrified. you had you undergone any major surgery before? No, no. Um, I spent a few days in hospital when I was about twenty-five with pneumonia. Um, okay. But apart from that, I'd never really well. Apart from spending a couple of days in uh, with the heart failure, I spent in hospital. Um, I'd never really spent any time there at all. Okay, so you wake up from the surgery. Uh, did you notice anything straight away? Did you yeah, feel I know, any impact? I, I, know, I, I noticed, um, apart from being extremely thirsty and having a yeah. having a having a really bad headache, obviously, um, I um, my, my eyesight was instantly much better. I wow. can remember I couldn't read a po- as as I was going into surgery. Um, I couldn't read a poster. But when I came back out, could you wait? They can they can wake you up instantly now, can't they? Yeah, um, yeah. It, it was like my 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 vision had had improved immediately. That's amazing, pro- isn't it? It probably wasn't a good thing because I was expecting everything to um, to get better immediately. Right? You think, okay. You know, you think it's out now. Why aren't I better? Okay. Yeah. And so and so, did they indicate whether they managed to get all of the tumor, or was there any residual? Uh, there's residual. Um, it's mixed up in scar tissue. They can't even see it through um, an MRI scan. Okay. But there's okay. there's definitely a pituitary blockage in there somewhere. Right. Okay. And so I guess once they had released you, uh, no further complications in hospital. No MRI. Uh, uh, sorry. No CSF leaks or. Um... Uh, no, I was I was very very fortunate in that. Okay, so you were out pretty quickly, and then. Uh, and I, I guess they started to put you on a treatment of medication, did they, to manage the tumour? 
Yeah, it takes. I mean, it takes a while to get to get the balance right, doesn't it? Um, you know, you, I, I'm on somatostatin injections every month. Um, okay. That's forever. Um, and obviously, they put me on cortisone for a little while. I came off that. It took about two years to get me on um, testosterone injections. Um, it's it's trying to find that balance with the medication, I suppose. And what does the somastatin do for people that are listening that may not be aware? What's the what's the purpose of that? It stops the tumor getting any bigger. It doesn't get rid of it. It just stops it growing. Hopefully, okay. And and that's a monthly injection. Is it quite a hefty injection? Is it? Is uh, it? Uh, you know. Yeah, it affects. Yeah, it can affect. It it affects different people. I mean, through through the Facebook page, you've got some people that can 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 have the injection and they're fine the next day. It takes mm. me about two or three days to uh to get used to it i suppose and how do you find the testosterone injections uh testosterone injections um don't really notice them at all now um in terms of the injection you mean uh in terms of the injection uh it's just a routine every three months now um but i don't get um i don't get as much fatigue as i used to um and i don't get i mean we, we call it uh brain fog on the um on the facebook page uh yeah. i don't get that anymore i used to i used to lose my mornings really to that um right. you know i'd be couldn't really do much other than walk up and down stairs until about 11 o'clock in the morning but but no i don't really get that now and can i ask on a, on a sort of male perspective how do you find did you find a lack of sexual uh issues oh sorry let's start try that again did you find sexual problems prior to your surgery and has that been improved post treatment? What's your testosterone levels like in that area? Do you know? Um, that, that, I'm, I'm fine now. Um, okay. yeah, there were, there, I mean, I mean, it's, it's, it's more to, to me, it's more, it's, it's more dealing with the fatigue and, uh, and the brain fog and the fuzziness. Well, it sounds to me though, Spence, like you're you're managing it pretty well, and uh, you know you went through a rough ride, but you know a uh, few years on, you're 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 coping pretty well. Yeah, I'm. Um, I'm well, I'm uh, assistant manager of an under 19s football team now. Um, okay. It's it's trying to force yourself to be busy, I suppose. Um, things things you used to be able to take take for granted, you just it just takes a little bit more thinking now. Yeah, I mean, and I think at the time when you're diagnosed you can't really see the light at the end of the tunnel and it's it's such a sort of big bombshell especially when you're told five different things in one go but actually every six months or every year that passes i tend most people i speak to they're they're they either cope with it very well or they actually start to feel better and better and better and unless they have a second wave and you know i'm unfortunate to get a second tumor um living with acromegaly is is manageable absolutely absolutely i'm sorry i've lost my train now um where, where sorry where were we dan <laughs> uh, i was just saying i can't remember either i was just uh, what well, brain fog doesn't exist <laughs> I got, yeah i know i i'm short-term memory I've, I've actually got that noted down i then i suffer a little bit of short-term memory well, there you go i'm not going to edit this because i think this perfectly pr- proves <laughs> both of us 
proves the point. I think it's a you know it's a bit of a sign of getting older as well that we lose our train of thought a bit. But you have found that sh- short term memory loss is is a is a factor then. It do, it does um it does yeah it does bother me. It frustrates me more than anything. It's you know it, it, you do find things. But when I'm fifty, you know mm. you know I'm fifty years old. It's um yeah you know you can't you can't expect to remember everything, can you? No. And how did you find? social media and uh support groups during this time did you make use of them did you contact the Pachurchi foundation for example uh was that a uh, benefit to i'm only people? really i'm only really on the on the facebook group uh the one that the one that brian set up um yeah. a few years back i've been on that one now for about five or six years um and i found it really really helpful I've I found it. I mean, just going through some of the photographs. I mean, some of the group photos that that Osaka and Megalix have, have. You know, we've all been fortunate enough to meet each other. There, you know, there's some really good stuff there. And uh, you know, it's it's the wrong way, but I've made some good friends from it. <laughs> yeah, well, you've got to you've got to make the most out of adversity, haven't you? And have you found yourself becoming a bit of an advocate? Uh, you know, giving advice or supporting someone? You know, when they pop up on the page and saying. I've just been diagnosed and I don't know what to do. One, the one I've noticed, um, yeah, I, I, I mean, I try and help people out with a little bit of advice as, as people help me out with advice. Um, when I was first diagnosed, I really wasn't a very good patient uh, to start mm. with. Um, but I've, I find that, and, and also giving advice, it, it helps you as well. Um, it, I don't know, I've lost it again, Dan. So. You were going to say one, the, uh, something that you had noticed i think in the acromegaly groups maybe oh yeah um people people um people do try and rush getting better um Mm. you know and and that's where you you have to try and slow people down a little bit it's like you know I, i i commented to somebody the other day that it took about two years to get my meds right and and you you don't you know you don't really start feeling better until you get your meds right i mean you know you notice little things you start to shrink in the the physical aspect i mean i've i've lost a lot of weight in the last four or five years hmm. through 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 trying because because i was worried about my joints and things um so yeah you know it, it's i i i keep yourself busy with something and the rest comes when you know, when the time's right to start feeling better, I, I I rushed back to work. I went back within a month, and within three months, I'd had to quit that job. Right. You know, it's slow down. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Uh, and I think, uh, you know, we've got to remember the tumor's probably taken seven, eight years to grow. It ain't uh, uh, all the impact that's had on you is not going to disappear in, uh, you know, a month. Uh, no. and, and, I, and I think our body goes under a lot of shock. Our hormones are finding their way back to where they once were again, or maybe not. And there may be further complications. Yeah. And and we have to respect ourselves. You know, it's 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 like we've undergone a big sort of repair job, and you've got to treat the you know the body work and the and the workings of the car with a bit of respect. Absolutely, absolutely. And there's obviously a lot of I mean, you you know, consultants and 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 whoever they they you know they. They have to tinker with you because you have to try things to see if it makes you be- makes you feel better, like the yeah. somatostatin injections and the um and the and the testosterone. Yeah, you know, yeah. Uh, I felt I felt pretty miserable for a couple of years ago until I started having the testosterone injections. 
Yeah, I think they, they they do help. And you're right, it's about finding and and figuring out what works best for you. And I think that's where regular appointments with your endocrinologist uh, and having a good endocrinologist that you see, you know, one that you see all the time, if possible, is so important. So you're not waiting for when you have your yearly appointment for that endocrinologist to read up on all your notes, maybe forget something. Maybe you have to tell your whole story again. Do you, did you find that, do you find that you have your own, as in your own endocrinologist, or do you have, go to, between a different team of people? Yeah, most, most, most of my, I mean, I'm, I'm in between two counties. So, so most, most of my stuff, um, was done at Stoke. And right. I, I, I find that when, when I'm dealing with my endocrinologist in Telford, um, it's almost like I'm updating him rather than he knows. <laughs> yeah. Um, I've, I've, I've also watched my file, you know, the hospital files. Yeah. They, yeah. They, they get really thick over the years. Um, don't they? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So what's the piece of advice you would give to somebody then who's just been diagnosed? We know what you would say to someone that's just come out of surgery. If you've just been diagnosed with acromegaly, what would you say to somebody? Uh, I, I hadn't thought about if I was diagnosed, it's it, my, my only advice would be, um, if you don't feel right, get it checked. That, that you know, it, it goes before then uh, diagnosis. Diagnosis, you don't worry too much. You're in good hands, I suppose. Um, but previous to that, I I would, you know, I, I ignored a lot of signs because I didn't believe I could get ill. Yes. Okay. So, so for you, it's if you don't feel right <clears throat> or, you know, if you're noticing things are wrong, go and go and talk to somebody yeah 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 um, most importantly if other i mean but you, you know you can have vanity issues and or, or things like that but if somebody else starts noticing differences in you changes yeah. in you then you've really got to um you've got to listen you've got to listen yeah well spence i think on that note that's a an invaluable piece of advice uh and i'm going to say thank you very much for sharing your tale i think it's been incredibly useful and um you know, it shows the, uh, as you say, the impact that it can have if you do kind of ignore the p possible signs, not necessarily of acromegaly, but of something not being right. Uh, and, you know, uh, what that leads to if you don't, if you're not proactive in pursuing it. So, um, I'm, but I'm really pleased to hear that you're through it and out the other side. And, you know, if you're at 50s coaching uh, football kids, then I think that's amazing. So, um, well done. I'm really, really pleased for you. Uh, thank you very much. So if you found Spencer's story interesting and want to hear other Acro Tales, head over to acrotales.com where you can find the ever-expanding library of interviews. And of course, you can also subscribe to the podcast to receive the latest updates via iTunes and Spotify. So this is me, Dan Jeffries, saying thank you very much, and we'll see you next time for another Acro Tale. <laughs>